All right, church, we have a very special treat today. We have a guest speaker that has been in town all the way from Florida. In fact, he's traveling with his uh, wife, Pastor Sarah, and, and then their four kids, uh, Sierra, Skyler, Erickson, and Ryder. Yeah. So uh, they, they joined us at the Hillside service, but... Uh, uh, you know, they, they went back to the hotel uh, so they couldn't join us here. But uh, Pastor Eric's here. He is the founding and senior pastor of a church in, uh, what's the name of the town? Chapel, Wesley Chapel, Florida, a little bit north of Tampa. And uh, he is the senior and founding pastor of Freedom International Church there. And he's also the uh, founder of a ministry called Healing to the Nations, where they travel and they empower uh, pastors and do ministry, uh, itinerant ministry, uh, all over in different nations. So uh, he actually grew up in the Dem- Democratic People's Republic of the Congo, which is formerly known as Zaire. Uh, his parents were missionaries there, and he grew up and then was called to the ministry uh, later on when he was 18. So uh, without further ado, let's show some love for Pastor Eric Lehman. Come on. Amen. God bless you, Pastor. That is impressive that he remembered my four kids' names. So I have trouble remembering their names sometimes. It is an honor to be here, and I just want to honor Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. Uh, I take the pulpit very seriously, and so uh, uh, you just don't want to let anybody handle the Word of God, right? Uh, so, but we met through a mutual friend, Pastor Sam Song, who pastors in Hong Kong. And uh, so we had some time to get to know each other this last week. And so thank you, Pastor. What an honor. And just want to submit to you and just pray this will be a blessing. But I do have a wife. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, four children. So they were at the, as Pastor said, they were at the morning service. But it uh, probably would have just been a little much on those little guys to keep going. But my girls are, my princesses are 11 and 8. And my boys are 6 and 3. So, yeah, they're a lot of fun. So you would have you would have enjoyed that. Um, But I want to honor my wife. She's uh, quite honestly the most amazing person that I know. Uh, We homeschool all four of our kids. And she is probably the most efficient and organized woman I've ever seen. And not only does she pass her alongside of me, but everything she does for our kids. And so I just thank God for my very best friend. We're going to celebrate our 17th wedding anniversary next week. In Hong Kong, so, and uh, we've, uh, we traveled for years, actually we had one year where we traveled around the world together before we had kids, and, but since the kids started coming, it's been 10 years that I'll go on a trip, and I only go for a maximum of 10 days, because we feel like any longer is just not healthy for the family and the kids, uh, but, so this is our first international family ministry trip, so this is really special for us, and my wife's ethnically Korean, so... Uh, we just thought it would be really neat heritage for us to, to kind of come back and, and uh, just enjoy this. So can you say amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, I grew up, as Pastor said, in the Congo, gave my life to Jesus uh, when I was about six years old. Uh, so I gave my life to the Lord when I was pretty young, but I wasn't called to the ministry until I was 18. I was coming back to the States and I was on an airplane. And how many people know the Spirit of God can show up wherever and whenever He wants? So I was just minding my own business on this plane and reading the Bible, and suddenly the Lord starts touching me. 
and I begin to cry, and that crying turns to sobbing, and then I'm shaking. So I'm on this plane shaking under the power, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to serve me full time. I had no idea what that meant. I was just going to go to a large university, get my degree in communications, uh, but I went to that school. And then uh, something else started happening. There was something missing in my life because I didn't grow up in a charismatic or Pentecostal church. In fact, if you were to raise your hand in the church I grew up with, they'd have said, yep, it's down the hall and to the right. I mean, nobody <laughs> raised their head. Uh, so I was reading the book of Acts about dead people coming back to life and cripples walking and blind eyes opening. And I said, wow, I need some of that. Uh, so I knew the missing ingredient was the Holy Spirit. See, I had a relationship with the Father and the Son, but I didn't understand anything about the power of the Spirit. Uh, so anything I could get my hands on, on the Spirit, I would read and I just devoured it. Even took a course on the book of Acts. I transferred to a smaller Bible college. And uh, make a long story short, the Lord brought a man into my life, prayed that I'd be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some amazing things happened that night. I began to weep and then I was crying. Then I was rolling around on the ground and uh, snot coming out of my nose and all kinds of stuff. And then I began to speak in another language. And But the fruit of that experience, say that out loud, say the fruit, the fruit. And that's important. We remember that, right? Because you can have manifestations, but it's the fruit. The fruit of that experience is that I had an insatiable desire to get to know Jesus. I couldn't get enough. And the word came alive. See, before that, it was tough for me to read the Bible five minutes. I'd get tired. I'd get bored. But when I was empowered with the Spirit, suddenly the Word came alive. So I was in the States. I went back to Africa. And I was just getting to know the Lord. But if you get to know Jesus, you're going to catch His heart and His agenda for humanity. Uh, and suddenly, my eyes were open to a lost world. And so one day, I was walking along the streets of the capital city there. And a man came up to me and he wanted to sell me some gold. So we begin to barter because that's the culture there. And I'm thinking I'm going to get a good price, you know, for this gold. And suddenly I had a word of knowledge. Uh, I never had a word of knowledge in my life, but I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. And I said, hey, that's not real gold. You know that. And I know that. And God knows that. I said, it's good to be a businessman, but you need to be an honest businessman. And so I started sharing the gospel with him. Well, a few of his vendor friends came around and, you know, a crowd attracts a crowd. So soon there's 50 people, then there's 100 people. Soon there's over 200 people and I'm preaching. I've never preached in my life. And I'm preaching and, and then I knew enough to give an altar call and I said, who wants to give their life to the Lord? And whew, people came forward and I thought, man, this works. So, uh, so I just started going out on the streets and preaching. I preached in marketplaces and uh, we had these big truck buses there. I'd preach in the back of a truck while we're driving and Preaching on the streets, we saw people healed and set free from the demonic and just all kinds of stuff. And so I figured I was called to preach then. Uh, so I was in Africa and I went back to the States to finish my degree. And uh, uh, finished my degree in theology. That's where I met my wife. And uh, so then over the years, we've just traveled. Uh, I've had the privilege of being in 57 nations of the world, many of them multiple times. And uh, just thank God for that. I'm not trying to sound important, but I share that more because I want to tell you that I feel like God's doing something special at New Philly. And uh, if you can believe me on that, sometimes, you know, there's an old Chinese proverb, not that I know anything because I'm not Chinese, but there's an old, <laughs> right? Here I'm quoting like I know something. Uh, but there's an old Chinese proverb that says, if you want to know what the water's like, don't ask the fish. 
And so in other words, if you come from outside the context, and so uh, maybe that'd be a blessing to you. There's something special uh, that's part of your DNA that God's doing here that's flowing from your pastors, that's flowing in, in New Philly. Uh, so I would encourage you to celebrate that and thank the Lord for that. Yeah? Look to your neighbor and say, it's a good thing. Say, it's a good thing. Yeah, so... So uh, I'm just really honored uh, to be here and to, to bring the word to you. So are you hungry today? Can I, can I give you something? Yeah, go back to John 11. I know we read that in the ESV. I want to just read it in the NIV to get it fresh in our mind. But let me pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for what you did the, the, in the earlier service. And Holy Spirit, right now, I just submit myself to you. I submit myself to Pastor Christian, to Pastor Aaron, to his leadership team, to the elders of this church. Uh, Lord, I submit myself to my brothers and sisters here, and I'm honored that I get to hold the mic. Lord, I hide behind the cross of Christ today, hide behind the word of God. And I just pray that you'll release revelation. Uh, Lord, we can read something and we can hear something, but when it thunders in our spirit and becomes life changing, uh, that's when it becomes exciting. And so, Lord, I loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the house. And I thank you, Lord, that as we preach, I believe in the power of the preached word. And so I believe, Lord, as we speak today, that you will live in the word. And I give you the praise for that. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, The title of the message is waiting for the miracle. I want you to say that out loud. Say waiting for the miracle. Uh, Look to your neighbor and say, sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait. Yeah. Come on, touch somebody and say, sometimes you got to wait for the miracle. Touch somebody. And so the Bible says in John 11, verse 1, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany in the village of Mary Martha and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now verse 4, And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I want you to start thinking about this. Here's a very close friend of Jesus who's dying. He gets word to come and pray for her, pray for him from the sisters. And yet he waits two more days. Uh... Now, there's a couple of things here as I get into this. I just want to lay this out for you. First of all, he says this, that, the, that this sickness will end in God's glory. So I want you to know today, whatever you're walking through, whatever your experience, whatever heartache, whatever frustration, the promise, God is saying this, is that in the end, it can end in His glory. Now, it's hard for us to wrap our brain around. It's hard for us to really understand that because when you're going through it, it's really hard to maintain your faith, isn't it? At least it is in North America. I don't know about Korea, but we have a tough time holding on. So that's one thing. I want you to take note as I lay this down to verse five. Jesus loved Martha. Say that out loud. Say Jesus loved him. Say it. So this is incredibly important because when you start going through the heartache or you're waiting for a release of God's answers, a release of God's miracle. I don't know about you, but for me, I start questioning God's love. Uh, maybe not at an intellectual level, but at an emotional level. Uh, you still, because you, you keep telling yourself, wait a minute, God loves me, He never leaves me, He never forsakes me. But yet at an emotional level, you start feeling like 
He doesn't love because if he really loved me, he'd be here. He'd heal me instantly. He'd provide for me. He'd give me the career that I need. He'd give me the job that I that I need. If he really loved me, then he would do that. Uh, And so they were struggling with this because they thought if Jesus really loved me, he would have come instantly. So so where is he? Uh, and so that's important for us to realize at the outset that when we're walking through the frustrations, the pain, waiting for the miracle, waiting for the release, you have got to remind yourself again and again that this does not mean that God doesn't love me. Even though I don't understand the timing, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. Extremely important. Uh, say it out loud again. Waiting for the miracle, waiting for the miracle. So I've had the privilege of traveling and one of the things that I've noticed that when an airplane is landing, that many times a plane will go into a holding pattern. Uh, and so you're supposed to arrive, but the pilot will put you in a holding pattern. You'll start circling the city. And there's a lot of factors that come into play before an airplane can land. Sometimes it's air traffic. They're waiting for air traffic to, to clear. Uh, so you've got a destination. You have a destiny. God is a clear purpose in mind for you that you're waiting to land. But how many people felt like you've been in a holding pattern, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your career, whether it's your ministry, and you get put in a holding pattern? Well, number one, it could be air traffic. There could be an element of spiritual warfare. And I referenced Daniel, who cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent an answer right away. But Michael comes and he says, I was detained by the prince of Persia For 21 days. God heard me immediately, but I was detained. It could be some air traffic. There could be some spiritual warfare that needs to be, uh, there needs to be some things broken before you can land that plane. Does that make sense? Uh, Another thing that I've noticed is oftentimes that plane, you might be ready to land, but on the ground, they're not ready for you. The ground crew's not ready. Uh, They got to get things in place. I want to submit to you today that Maybe in the waiting of your miracle, you're waiting, but the ground crew's not ready. Everybody else didn't wait. Maybe you're ready to be married. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but your spouse isn't ready. God's doing a lot of work in them. So you're, you're in a holding pattern. Am I talking to anybody today? So you're in a holding pattern. You're ready, but they're not ready. Uh, so here's what I want to submit to you today. That in the waiting, in the holding pattern, what are you going to do? Now, I've noticed a lot of things as I've been waiting. People start to berate the flight attendant. Uh, they're rude. They're unkind. They're impolite. They grumble. They complain. You would never do that, but other people <laughs> grumble, complain. Uh, they treat the guy sitting next to them really badly, right? So we do all kinds of things while we're waiting and we're in that holding pattern. So I want to submit three principles to you today that I feel like if we'll get a hold of, it's going to give us grace. And in the end, we're going to receive more. God will get more glory out of our current situation than he could have if we hadn't waited. Uh, So I'm going to quote this scripture to you. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. I know you have it memorized. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a... Double portion. Say double portion. Okay, so let's let's get on the same page here. Would you agree with me that in the end, Jesus got more glory by raising Lazarus from the dead than he would have if he'd healed him? I'll prove it to you. At the end of the chapter, it says many people gave their life or put their faith 
in Christ because of the miracle of the resurrection. So what's the greatest miracle? Salvation. Yeah, I was in Fiji years ago and I met a guy. He had been dead for eight hours. Uh, He was a fisherman. The Lord raised him from the dead. Here's what he told me. He said, yeah, it's interesting. Every time I share my testimony, people give their life to Christ. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty verifiable, right? I was dead, but I'm alive. So in the end, Jesus got more glory by raising Lazarus from the dead. And the greatest miracle was bringing people to Christ. So I want to submit to you today. I really feel this in my heart. You know, there are some words that you wrestle and pray with, pray for. But when uh, Pastor Sam asked me if I'd be open uh, to preach, and he's the one that connected us, immediately in my heart rose up this word for waiting for a miracle. So I really pray that I'm not just preaching a word, but I'm preaching the word. I beg the Lord that I'm not just preaching a good sermon, but I'm preaching the word of the Lord for New Philly. So I really want to submit this to you. So could it be, could it be that in your holding pattern, as frustrating as that is, that in the end, if you'll learn what God is wanting to do on the inside of you, he's going to bring more glory to himself and to you by allowing you to be in the holding pattern. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone say waiting for the miracle. Say waiting. So Isaiah 61 says, verse 7 says, Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion. Say it out loud, double portion. Pinch your neighbor and say double portion. Say double portion. In their land, an everlasting joy will be theirs. Now, so I want to submit three things that you can do while you're waiting for the miracle. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 33. I know it's a familiar passage for you. Exodus 33 and verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent, pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped the Lord and each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Let's say that out loud, face to face. As a man speaks with his friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Number one, I want to submit to you, while you're in that holding pattern, to pitch a tent and praise the Lord. Let's say it out loud. Pitch a tent and praise the Lord. So that means this. Wherever you're at, God is trying to teach us to pitch a tent and to praise Him. Uh, instead of c- grumbling... Instead of complaining that I would pitch a tent and praise him. So could it be because, you know, God can heal you instantly, right? Can provide for you instantly. Money comes and goes. He can. I mean, he multiplied the bread, right? So he could provide for you instantly. So if he isn't, I want to submit to you to start asking why. Is there something deeper that God is wanting to do on the inside of me? And what I want to submit to you is I think there is. He's trying to develop intimacy with you. I understand this is the year of intimacy for New Philly. So he's trying to develop 
this idea of me talking to him face to face. You know, there's only two things you can take with you to heaven. One, your relationship with Christ. And secondly, your relationship with other people. And yet we spend a lot of time doing a whole bunch of other stuff, even in the ministry, instead of developing relationship with him and developing relationship with other people. And so I want to submit to you that the first thing that I ought to do is I'm waiting for the miracle and I'm in a holding pattern is to pitch a tent and to praise him. Now, here's the powerful thing. He lives in our praises. He lives in our praise, his peace, his presence, his power. When you worship him, when you praise him, not only are you developing intimacy, but his peace comes, his presence comes. And sometimes you may not need an answer on the outside. What you need is him. See, sometimes we think we need more money or I need a spouse or I need a family. But what you need is him. And I got news for you. If you think all your answers are going to be solved by just having a wife. Listen carefully. If you're not whole before you get married, two halves don't make a whole. Come on, somebody. You need to be whole before you're married. So get more of him. Get healed. Get healthy. Then at the right time, you watch how God will bless your marriage. Look to your neighbor and say, he might be preaching to you. So... Someone say waiting for the miracle. Wait. So number one, you got to pitch a tent and you got to praise the Lord. Look at Psalm chapter 118. Psalm 118 and verse 15. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Everyone say I'm righteous. So as you pitch your tent and you praise him, his presence is released. And that's where your shout of victory is going to come from. So I ought to be able to go by your tent. And your tent can be at your house. It can be at work. It can be on the subway. It can be on a bus. It can be in a taxi. Your tent. I ought to go by your tent and hear the prayers and the praises of the righteous. Someone say, pitch a tent. Say it, pitch a tent, pitch a tent. Say it, pitch a tent. So years ago, I was on, I went to minister in Nigeria. And I took a young guy with me to just to mentor him. And he came along to minister with me. And so I I guess it would have been a 10 day trip. I lose track of these things, but I think it was about a 10 day trip. So we were preaching all day long every day and went back home and I was so exhausted. And so when I went to the counter, I shared with them, Oh, look, you know, I'm platinum. Is there any way I could get an upgrade? And uh, they said, no, your ticket's not upgradable. And we certainly don't upgrade on international flights. And So I said, well, thank you very much and really disappointed. But I thought I'm going to try to get my rest in economy. Hallelujah. (laughs) That's where I live is an economy. So I get there and uh, as we're getting ready to take off, the flight attendant comes up and said, oh, Mr. Lehman. She said, "Uh, you're Mr. Lehman. I said, yeah. She said, well, we just want to bring you up to business class. I said, hallelujah. (laughs) So I looked at Josh, who was with me, and I said to him, I said, brother, I love you, but not that much. So I left him in, 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 I went up to business class. Oh, come on. Tell me you love me for a second. I'm not that bad. But here's my point of the illustration. My point is this, that sometimes God wants to take you up to business class, but we're held back by relationships. Uh, so in this case, I just took the blessing. Amen. So, and I wasn't going back and checking on him all the time to find out if he was okay. 
There are times that I want to submit. I think in the body of Christ, a lot of times God wants to take you to another level. But you're still back in economy because you're concerned or because of the relationships that you, you might have that slow you down. God wants to bump you to a whole other level in the spirit to take you to higher places, deeper places in him. But yet sometimes it's relationships that keep us back. So don't let that hold you back from the upgrade. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, a couple of years ago, I took my dad with me. My dad, who spent 20 years in Africa and then pioneered a ministry to Muslim immigrants and in Europe. And I said, Dad, let's go back and minister together. My dad's 70. He's celebrating 50 years in the ministry this year. So it's a great honor for us to go back and minister as father and son. Uh, so I was concerned because physically he's just not as, uh, doesn't have the prowess that he used to have. Uh, so that's a long flight, eight hours to Amsterdam, then eight hours down to, to Kenya. And uh, so we get to Amsterdam and I had to get my boarding pass. So I went up to the counter and I said, uh, I need my boarding pass for the segment to, to Kenya. Uh, she got on the computer and looked back and said, I, I don't have any record of you in our system. I said, well, here's the receipt and here I am. Uh, so I need to get on this plane. And I said, no, the plane is full. Uh, she said, you're going to have to go tomorrow. I said, I am so sorry, ma'am. I said, I speak at a conference tomorrow. I really need to get on this plane. She says, well, well, go sit down and, you know, I'll call you. We'll see what we can do. So I want you to know that a few years ago, I would have really been upset about that. I'd have probably gotten in the flesh. I know you would never do this, but I, I probably <laughs> would have said how I paid for this and what I deserve and my rights, etc. cetera. Uh, but I was smart enough to just go over there and pitch a tent. Come on, somebody. Let's go over there and pitch a tent and just praise him and trust him and say, Lord, you're the one who invited me to go on this conference. And you know my schedule. You're my travel agent. Lord, I just praise you. And so after a few minutes, she calls me over and she didn't say anything, but she just slid those boarding passes across and it said one A and one B. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> Someone say double portion, say double portion. And I was really glad for my dad. And so there are times that God may upgrade you and you're not supposed to take your partner with you. But there are other times that God wants to put you in a season where when you go up, you can take the one traveling with you on up to first. You know what I'm someone say waiting for the miracle, say waiting for the miracle. So number one, let's pitch a tent and let's praise him. Let's pitch a tent and let's praise him. Number two, go to Acts chapter 16. Now, you know this, you know exactly what's happening. One day, Paul and Silas are walking along. They encounter a girl that tells the future by demonic powers. They set her free. Because of that, they get thrown into jail. And while they're in jail, here's Paul and he bumps Silas. He says, hey, I think we need to praise him. I think we need to praise the Lord. So he's in prison. So the Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 25 that after or about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Number two, you need to get the right partners and praise them. Number one, pitch a tent and praise them. Number two you got to get the right partners and praise Him. Now, let me tell you the mistake the devil made here. The devil should have put Paul and Silas in separate cells. But he made a big mistake. He put them in the same one. 
The mistake is this, that even if you're in prison, if you're the right partners, Jesus said, if two of you will agree and if two of you are together, I'm with you. And if two of you agree, you'll receive whatever you ask. So the big mistake is that the devil put him together. He should have isolated him. Uh, footnote, footnote. One of the most dangerous places you can be is when you're isolated. That's when the devil will mess with your mind. Don't allow yourself to be isolated, but get the right partners. So Paul had the right partner, even though he was in prison. Even if you're in a prison of pain today, God wants you to have the right partners. He wants you to have the kind of relationships where you can flourish. Some of you, all you have had are parasites, not partners. Uh, what's a parasite? I grew up in Africa. I had parasites all my life. <laughs> Had amoebas, worms. In fact, when I was a kid, every time I'd eat too much, my mom would put me on a worm treatment. So I know what parasites are. A parasite, when you get a parasite, you get extremely hungry. But then when you, get, when you start eating, you start feeling sick. Why? Because the parasite takes all of the nutrients for itself and devours the food. Now that describes many relationships where they are sucking the life out of you. You ever had a relationship? We call that codependency, where maybe you're doing all the giving, but they're doing all the taking. Some of you have only had parasitical relationships. Could have been in your family, could have been with parents, could have been with uh, siblings, could have been somebody that you were courting, could have been just a friend, but they were doing all the taking and sucking the life out of you. Hear the word of the Lord today. God wants to bless you with partners, people that will propel you to the kingdom of God. People that will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you and not judge you if you're hurting, but they'll just cry with you. Uh, those are partners, people that will propel you to the kingdom of God. And so God wants you to have partners that even if you're in a prison of pain, they're not sitting there criticizing you. They're not going to run away on you. No, to the contrary, they'll sit there with you and they'll praise the Lord with you. Come on. Am I talking to anybody here today? So you got to get the right partners. You got to get the right partners. Let me show you. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter four. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Someone say waiting for the miracle. Say, hey, come on, look to your name and say, sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Watch this. Verse nine. Two are better than one. Because they got a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one man keep, uh, how can one keep warm alone? Though, watch this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Someone say partnership. See, there's something powerful about partnership. I want to show you Matthew 18. I already alluded to it, but look at it. Matthew 18 and verse 18. I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it'll be done for you by my father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, years ago. Before we had children, my wife and I traveled a year around the world. We started in England, went down to Africa, then Asia, and the South Pacific. 
Uh, so we didn't have any money at the time. So, but we were smart enough to know that if you need a harvest, you got to sow a seed. Uh, so we didn't even have any money to sow a seed. Have you been there where, you know, you got to sow something, but I didn't have anything to sow. But I had a car. We had a car. So we said, let's give the car away. So we found a family that really needed a car. Uh, if you haven't done that, ask the Lord for that privilege. It is wonderful to sit down with someone, give them the car keys. And they are crying. We're crying. It was just a beautiful thing. So we gave the car away on a Saturday morning. That night we went to a church service and a businessman came up, had no idea about the car, but a businessman came up to him and said, Oh, I heard you're going around the world. I want to give you $5,000 for your trip. I said, Hallelujah. <laughs> By the way, the car wasn't worth $5,000. Uh, so I said, Well, I got my around the world ticket. I, did, I may not eat, but at least I, <laughs> at least I can get on the plane. So we go to England. I wish I had time to tell you all the miracles. But we were preaching in churches around England. And I preached for a church that uh, the pastor was bivocational, the associate pastor. And he wasn't able to be in full-time ministry. So they, they, they took an offering. My wife said, oh, we ought to bless the associate pastor with the offering. I said, that is great. Uh, so they gave us 100 pounds. Uh, and back then that would have been worth about $160. Uh, so just a smaller fellowship, and we were just ministering there. So we gave the offering, and, and when we did it, my wife said, hey, we ought to believe the Lord for double portion. I said, that's great. So we gave it to him. We're excited. God, double portion. So that night I went to another church, and this church had really blessed me uh, financially the last time. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, maybe we'll get a double portion here. You know, I got it all worked out in my mind. So I preach my heart out. I'm praying for people for hours and everything. Zero offering. Here's a little principle for you. Don't get your eyes on a church, on an employer, on anybody else. Your rich uncle is not the answer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Lift your eyes. God is your source. Amen. Your employer is not even your source. God is your source. So I had my eyes on that church, but God said, hey, no, no, no. I want to show you how I provide. It's always been that way. So the next day, we're going to our next place and... A miracle happened because in the past I would have been so worried. I only had two pounds, which would have been a little over three dollars. Now, when I say that, I'm not teasing you. I didn't have something in the bank account. I didn't have extra money somewhere. That's literally all I had for my wife and I. And in the past, I would have been thinking, man, how can I do I need to take a cash advance? Can I put this on a credit card? Do I need to call my parents? Do I need to call a relative? Do I need to get some money wired? I mean, I had nothing and I didn't know where I was going next. And I was married at the time. I got to take care of my wife. Right. So we're traveling to the next spot and suddenly revelation hit me. And here's the revelation out of Matthew six. God told me this. He said, Eric, I love you more than I love birds. It's probably, it's probably not going to get any deeper than that today. So just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. He said, Eric, I love you more than a bird. And you know when you've read something in intellectually, but then it hits emotionally? And I just started laughing in the spirit. I'm laughing, I'm laughing. Oh, God, yeah, he loves me more than a bird. If he'll take care of the bird, he's going to take care of me. Amen. Come on, put your hands out like a bird. Come on, just do this. Say, come on, say it out loud. God loves me more than a bird. So what a revelation. Hallelujah. And I needed that in my early ministry. So I get to the next place and this young couple came up to us. 
I said, oh, we were at a service where you were ministering. We were really touched and we wanted to give into your ministry, but we didn't have anything at the time. But here, we want to bless you now. And they gave me an envelope. I said, oh, God bless you. That's, that's so kind. God bless you. And I ran off and looked in the envelope. 200 pounds. Someone say double portion, double portion. See, the answer wasn't the church. The answer wasn't somewhere. God was the answer. Amen. And his 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 answers will come in unexpected places. But that was the right kind of partners. What kind of partners is God putting in front of you alongside of you? You got to pitch a tent and praise him. Amen. But you got to get the right partners and praise him. God is wanting to cut off parasitical relationships. That's why you're here at New Philly, to learn to develop wholesome, integral relationships that will propel you to the kingdom of God. Not relationships that will suck the life out of you. Not relationships that just want to take and get something from you. But relationships that are wholesome, where you give and receive in that relationship. Someone say partnership. Say it. Say it. Partnership. Partnership. So number one, we pitch a tent and praise him. Number two, we get the right partners and praise him. And then I want you to go to Joshua chapter six. And I know you know this story, but it's just powerful to look at the word of God with your own eyes. Look at Joshua six, verse one. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Have you ever felt like you are tightly shut up? Come on, somebody. You're on that holding pattern. The miracles tightly shut up. Can't get in, can't get out. You feel stuck. Verse 2, Then the Lord called to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. And so Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city, and the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Now draw that up on your video screen. Can you imagine? Here's this walled city and God says, You know where you're going to take this city, but you're going to have to walk around this seven times. Principle number three, persevere and praise him. Someone say persevere. So number one, I pitch a tent and I praise him. Number two, I get the right partners and I praise him. And number three, I persevere and I praise him. These guys had to persevere. They had a word that the walls were going to fall, but they had to persevere. Sometimes it's about you persevering. I want to show you Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, come on, pinch your neighbor and say, sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait. Come on, slap your neighbor twice. Slap your neighbor twice. Say, hey, you got to wait sometimes. (laughs) Does that work in Asia? Sorry. I know there's a lot of culture in church, isn't there? Right. So you got to understand it's church culture. All right. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Look at this. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Say rewarded out loud. Now watch this. Verse 36. You need to persevere. Say persevere. Okay, so you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So again, what's the will of God? 
See, he wants to bless you, but if you're having to wait, it could be that he's wanting to do something deeper on the inside of you. And I want to submit to you as an older brother in the Lord, I want to submit to you that it could be that what he's trying to do on the inside of you is begin to develop and cultivate your relationship with him. Because that is what's going to sustain you. You realize that what sustains you and gives you longevity in life and ministry is your intimacy with the father, is your character. See, you can ride on faith and you can ride on gifting. But if you don't have character, it's not going to you're not going to have longevity. Think about it. All the qualifications for scripture, for leadership in the scripture have nothing to do with talent. Sorry to hurt your feelings. I mean, we appreciate and honor your talent. You know what the qualifications are? Character. Are you faithful to your spouse? Can you manage your private Christian life? That's what that's what the qualifications are. And how do you develop that? You develop that by cultivating intimacy with the Lord. Because if you have true intimacy, it's going to give you longevity in a relationship. Uh, think about that. I can guarantee you that if somebody is contemplating being unfaithful to their spouse, they're not being intimate. Intimately, emotionally, intellectually, physically, everything. But I guarantee you they're probably not being intimate. Because if you're intimate and you're building that relationship, then you'll be faithful. Is that revelation? Can you, can you say amen to that? So here, say reward, say reward, say persevere, say persevere. So God wants me to persevere and then the miracle will come. What's the deeper work that he's doing on the inside? Now, you're going to like this, but the word for reward here is mista pedosia in the Greek. It's a compound word. The first part of the word is mista, which means money. Pedosia means foot. It's where we get our word podiatrist, a foot doctor. So you put those two words together. It's money with foot. You know what that means? It literally means that money will be walking towards you or your reward will be walking towards you. So when you persevere, you wait for the reward to walk to you. Ah, See, sometimes you got to go after it. But there are other times where God says, no, 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 no. I, there's nothing more for you to do. You're in the holding pattern. I want you to pitch a tent and praise me. I want you to get the right partners and praise me. And I want you to persevere and praise me. And then let the reward come to you. And it'll walk towards you. Oh, come on, somebody. So, so see, so, 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 and, and yeah, you'd like it to run. But it might walk. But the Bible says, having done all, I stand. See, sometimes you've done the fasting, the praying. So quit heaping more guilt on yourself. Just rest and persevere in him and let the reward come to you. And someone say waiting for the miracle. Say waiting, waiting. Oh, hallelujah. I close with this. Uh, I want to share this with you. We have a young lady in our church. Uh, her name is Jamie. I have permission to share her testimony. Uh, but Jamie grew up in Las Vegas. And her mom uh, was a heroin addict. And I, I, I see we have little ears in the room. So uh, you can fill in all the blanks on the lifestyle on the street. That was Jamie's lifestyle. So as a little one, she was passed from home to home. She was told, you're going to be just like your mom. People said that. You'll be just like your mom. And 
So she never had a sense of being grounded, didn't have a dad around. Uh, Her mom was hardly around, being passed from home to home. But at the age of 16, the Lord showed up, graciously called her, saved her, and incidentally protected her from a lot of pain and abuse that could have happened, but graciously reached down and saved her, picked her up off the street. She was called to the ministry, went off to Bible college, got her degree in pastoral ministries, then moved to Florida. And she was ministering on the campus of the University of South Florida with a ministry called Impact, similar to Campus Crusade. And so she came to Freedom, and we walked with Jamie through a lot of healing, through a lot of deliverance, because there's a lot of pain there. Even though she was being used of God, how many people know you can be used of God, but still have a lot of stuff going on? So we walked with her through all of this. And her dream was to have her own family, have healthy relationships, have her own children. Just wanted to feel part. Aren't you glad for the scripture that says God takes a lonely and sets them into families? Aren't you glad for the scripture that says he becomes a father to the fatherless? And so this was her dream to just have her own family. But never thought as she was getting into her late 20s that God would ever bring her her husband. We said, Jamie, Jamie, just trust God. Just God. God has a different timetable for everybody. And then I'll never forget, it was the end of the 40-day corporate fast that we're doing. On our, on our 40th day of our corporate fast, she met Phil. And they began their friendship. They began their courtship. It was interesting because as we walked with her through this, she did everything to push him away. As pastor said the morning in the early service, you know, sometimes your healing will come through people. And especially if you've been hurt relationally, example, by men, and you just push men away. But maybe your healing will come through a father figure or an older brother that can really look at you in your eyes and love you as a sister or a daughter in the Lord. And so in her relationship, she pushed Phil away, pushed him away, pushed him. But yet he just continued to love her unconditionally. We walked them through premarital counseling. And then I had the privilege of doing their wedding ceremony. It was one of the most beautiful wedding ceremonies that I've seen. So they got married and they wanted to start their family right away. That was their dream, just right away. So three months later, we get a phone call. Pastor, Pastor, we're expecting, we're pregnant. So we were just rejoicing. About six weeks later, she called, just weeping and crying. We lost the baby. So we went over there and we just cried with her. Let me give you some insight as a footnote for those of you that want to be in ministry or you want to be a good partner. Sometimes you just cry with people. Don't think you have all the answers because you don't. You know, sometimes in the ministry, we think we have to have a reason or uh, uh, we try to spiritualize everything. No, no, just keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you just got to cry with someone. You know what I'm talking about? And if you're grieving, just cry with someone. There could be answers, but sometimes you just need to cry. We just cried. I said, Jamie, I know this hurts. I can't believe it. I don't have any answers. I'm, I, I, we were just weeping with her. So a few months passed and. Then we got another call. Pastor Eric, Pastor Sarah, we're expected. Oh, we were rejoicing. A little more trepidatious this time. And, but we begin to pray with her. This baby lived with us for about eight weeks. And she lost that baby. So we cried and cried. Our whole family, we prayed every night for those babies. So we're looking forward to meeting those babies in heaven. Amen? So we cried and cried. And whew, a couple months later, she calls again. And this time she called her husband at work and and said, I I don't know if I can do this again, but we're expecting. Uh, So she told us, and we didn't tell anyone else in the church this time. She was just so uh, 
just nervous about everything. We just begin to pray and we're fasting, we're praying. And during this time, especially this, this, this time, here were the thoughts that were going through our mind. Because this is what we do as humans. I don't deserve it. I'll never have a family. I'm being punished for the sins of my mom. I'm reaping what my... There's a generational curse here I can't break. There's a generational pattern here I can't break. I, look, it's happened to me. I'm sabotaging everything. These are the thoughts going through. I'm sabotaging God's plan because of my past, etc. You understand what I'm saying? So, so she's going through all this emotion. We're just crying with her and praying. Say, no, 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 Jamie, come on. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. God loves you. We're just trying to pound the love of God in her. Just pour the love of God in her. Just like Mary and Martha, where that scripture said God, Jesus loved them. Jesus loved him. We pounded, pounded the love of God in her. And so we made it through. We're just praying, praying, made it through weeks. Got it past six weeks, got past eight weeks. Just praying we can get past first term up to full term. And then guess what? She found out she was having twins. Can you say amen? Someone say double portion, double portion. Then I had the privilege of dedicating Chase. And say it to the Lord. Both of them are walking now, running all over the church. Yeah. Can you say double portion? Can you say waiting for a miracle? You gotta pitch a tent, you gotta praise him. Gotta get the right partners. And I'm not trying to minimize the pain because it hurts, but I just beg you today, please persevere. Please don't quit. And please don't quit believing his promise, even though it feels like forever. He hasn't forgotten you, hasn't dropped you off the face of the earth, has an incredible plan for you. If you'll just persevere. Can you say amen today? Let's stand to our feet.